am excited. We are starting a new series today. Uh, the series is called All in the Family, All in the Family. You know, we, uh, we uh, oftentimes when we, when we think about um, uh, families, right, especially for me, for me, right, when I, when I first came to, from a Buddhist family into a uh, just the church family, this is, this is my impression. Can you put that picture up? My, one of the sisters one of the, and the kids, they say, Peter, you, you need to put more memes up in your messages, right? So I, so I'll do one meme. Okay, I'll do one meme, right? So it says this. When, you're, when you are born into a Christian family, I hope your baby will be like this, right? A little dab, right? Some, some of you guys are like, uh, that's so lame, PT. <laughs> Please, right? So, yeah, I know, I know. So your response, your re- listen up, your response to this meme tells me a lot, right? I remember when I, when I grew, uh, went from a Buddhist family into our church, into just church in general, I was actually envious. I was envious of the idea of a Christian household because I didn't grow up in a Christian household. So I thought like the Christian household, like, man, if I grew up in a Christian household, it would have been so awesome. Everyone would have loved Jesus. I would have been directed by my mom and my dad to love Jesus. And we would have grown in this kingdom building family mentality. It would have been a great thing, right? And then I came to church and I met people who grew up in Christian family. And I'm sure the majority of you guys are saying like from this meme, like, the, what are you talking about, Right? The family? What? That's not at all. Raise your hand. Honestly, raise your hands if you think your family got problems. Oh, yeah. Some of y'all got, if y'all not raising your hand, y'all lying today, right? Y'all not being real today because today we're going to talk about some real stuff. We're going to talk about some stuff that deals with your family. The reason why we are doing this series, the reason why we're doing this series is because a lot of you guys, you're about to start a family, you're about to start a family, and, you know, my hope is that you would do it right. That you, that you, the, only, the, only, the only example you have of family is modeled by your parents, right? And, and you know as well as I know that our parents are flawed in so many ways. Right? And if that are the model that we have, we're in trouble. And so a lot of you guys who are about to start families, the hope and the, the dream of just the leadership who came together, we want you guys to start the family right. And the only way to start the family right is that you got to know. You got to know what breaks it. You got to know what the purpose of it. And you got to know how to restore it. Right? You got to know the purpose of what God made family to be. You got to know what is it that men or humans or we do to actually destroy and break a family apart. And you got to know that the one thing that can actually restore what is broken. And so we, we wanted for you guys who are about to start families to start thinking about these things, start praying about that. But also, we were thinking about those of you guys who grew up in a broken cycle, cycle of broken families. Divorces, fathers leaving, mothers not around, right? Addiction, abuse. That you grew up in a, in, a, in a family that is constantly in this cycle. Your, your uncles, your brothers, your aunts, they're all in this brokenness together, and you're so afraid that you're going to be a part of it too. You're, you're doing your best to say, I'm not going to let this happen to me. I'm going to be free from it. This is not going to happen to my generation. But as the more you see yourself growing up, the more you see yourself picking up a lot of these traits that you vowed with all your heart you're never going to be a part of. And so this, this series was written for you because it was written with the dream in mind that how can we break the cycle 
Is, is it really possible to break the cycle? I see it in my dad. I see it in his brothers. I see it in his sisters. I see it in my mother. I see it in her brothers and her sisters. I see it in throughout my whole entire family line. Can I really break the cycle of brokenness? And then lastly, it's, it's really, it's written, the series was created to encourage you that it can be, right? That, that, that the family structure, if done right, is not only the hope for the, the church, not only the hope for our city, it hope, it's the hope for our nation, our country, and for the world itself. If the family structure is intact and it's living according to the purpose by which it was made, it has the ability to impact and transform the world. Because that's why we wrote it. And that's why we created this series. And so I hope that you guys stay along this eight-week series. I'm excited for it. We're going to hit a lot of difficult topics that you guys might not like or feel uncomfortable with. And some of you guys who are parents, you guys are going to realize, oh, shoot. And some of you guys who came from broken families, some of you guys don't even know the brokenness that's in your life. You don't even realize that you're in this brokenness. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to talk about those things. We're going to engage those things. We're going to ask, how do we get out of it? Because that's the heart. It is to redeem us out of this cycle. Okay? And I pray that uh, we're going to see a lot of restoration. You know, the, the, the beginning um, series of our year was to be game changers. Right? It was to change the game wherever we go, whether it's in our families, in our workplace, in our city, in our town. But let's start with the most basic unit, our family. Will we start to be game changers in our families. All right? And so... It was written that way. So today we're going to talk about three things, right? We're talking about the first family, the first family, okay? Because we, we, we're going to figure out what, where everything went wrong, how things are meant to be. We're going to look at the first family, right, that God created this, okay? First of all, I want to let you guys know something. I did not in- create the institution of family, okay? I'm only the mailman. I don't write this stuff. It's actually just, I just deliver it, right? I, I told you guys many a times. I did not write about the institution of family, the institution family was not created by me or by some secret organization that I'm a part of or some like clan. It's not. The institution of family was put together by God himself. And so if we want to know, if we want to know how, how things were meant to be, we got to go back to the source of it. We got to ask the question, God, what was the purpose of the family? Why did you create it? Because if you know the purpose, then you can understand the good and the bad. If you know the purpose, then you can understand what makes it flourish and what actually destroys it. If you understand the purpose. You guys follow me, right? See, the only thing, the only way that you can decipher whether your family is in a place that is flourishing and growing or in destruction and and, um, pain is you understand its purpose. You cannot make a judgment call on good and bad unless you know the purpose, right? I'll give you an example. Like, you know, like... uh, this Friday, we, we, I learned a great example. It's, it's, if I looked at my watch and I said, you know, the purpose of my watch is to tell time. Yes? Okay? I can only tell that my watch is good if it does its job. If it doesn't do its job, it's bad, right? I can't take, away my, I can't take off my watch and start hammering it into a nail and say, you know what? This watch is horrible. It's not a good watch. Because it was not meant to be a hammer. It was meant to tell time. So if it's, telling, if it's doing its purpose, it's good. If it's not doing its purpose, then it's bad. You guys follow? So in the same way... When we begin to look at the family structure, the family unit, the family purpose, we have to learn what is the purpose of our families. If we understand its purpose, then we can understand one thing, how to break the cycle that we're in. How to break the cycle that we're in and bring it back 
to where it's meant to flourish. You guys get me? And so that's my prayer today um, for the next series is that you guys are going to love your family, right? That when you think about your family, you're not going to think like WTF, right? You're not going to think about that stuff. You're going to be like, I can be a part of actually bringing hope, transformation, right, and life back to my family. I can be a part of that. Okay, so that's the prayer. Um, so let's bow our heads. Let's pray before we get started into this series. Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for just TLC, our friends, our families. Lord, we, we want to we confess something, Lord God. We, we, we are part of so much brokenness. And God, we, we go about our lives running from it. We go about our lives trying to ignore it. We go about our lives just uh, disregarding it. But we never have the courage to actually ask the question, how can I actually be a part of fixing it? Can I even be a part of fixing it? Can I be a part of restoration? Can I be a part of the story of redemption? Can I be the part of the story of transformation? We've never really asked that question about our lives. And so I pray that this series, oh God, that you would give us that heart. That you would give us that that the yearning and the, the urge and the passion to believe that in you, we can. In you, oh God, we can restore Eden. In you, oh God, we can restore the purpose, the picture, the beauty of what it means to be a family. And so, Lord, we surrender this time to you. We ask, Lord, for your covering. We ask, God, that you would open our hearts to hear it. And we pray, that God, that you would use me, unworthy as I am, to speak your word that it will come, Lord God, with um, conviction and strength, Lord God. Uh, so I thank you. I praise you. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let's, let's open our Bibles, right, to uh, Genesis chapter uh, 1, the story of the first family. Genesis chapter 1. What is the purpose of family? There's three purposes. We'll go through it kind of quickly. What is the purpose of family? If you guys have done marriage counseling with me, right, and those of you guys who will do marriage counseling with me, right, you have one, review today, two, right, uh, preview, okay? So, you know, if you've forgotten it, you're welcome. Okay, here we go. Genesis chapter 1, okay, what is the purpose of family? What is the purpose of family? Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over uh, the birds of the air, the livestock, over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Right? The first picture of family, the first purpose of family God created it so that it will reflect his image. Do you guys realize that? Out of all the, the things in the world that he could have used, out of all of the created process, of all the beauty that the world has to offer, the one thing that he decides to use, the one thing that he wants to use so that the world may know his image is the picture of man and female, man and, man and, man and woman, right, coming together in this picture of marriage and family, to reflect them. For some reason, God deems it worthy and beautiful that you would be the image bearer for him. So that the world, when they see you, 
what the world, when they see the family unit, what they should see is the living representation of who God is. Do you guys get me that, the, the, sisters, when you, when you begin to uh, court, or be a part of a courtship with a man, a brother, the, the one thing that you should see from him is not how good looking he is, even though that is important to a degree, right? It's not how much money he makes, even though it's sort of important to a degree, right? It's not about, like, his family background or whatnot. The most important thing that you should see from him is this, does he reflect the image of God? Does he reflect that image? Because that was the purpose for why you were created, why you were placed together, that together you would reflect. And same thing with brothers. When you look at a sister, it's not about how pretty she is. Even though that is important, you have to be able to hold her and kiss her, right? right? It's not about like how, how where she came from or what she is. But you, you got to look at her and not just label her as hot or not hot, but to see does she have the image of God? Does she reflect that image to the world around her? Does wherever she steps, wherever he steps, does it flourish? Because when, they, when God walks, Things flourish, is it not? I've never seen a place where God would step into and things will not get better. I've never seen a place where God's presence is at and it does not grow. And the only reason why it would not is that the people of God have forgotten to reflect that image. The purpose that God has made for family is that in the family unit, you are to reflect that image. There was a uh, I think it was last, last winter Olympics uh, in Japan, right? Uh, uh, I don't know where it was, but uh, last winter Olympic, they had a huge uh, uh, news breakout about, like, the snowboarder. This Japan had this snowboarder who came into it all, you know, like, dressing like a snowboarder. You know, he's, he's nonchalant about everything. He's kind of like, he wasn't, every, every, other, every other athlete was dressed up to impress, to represent their country, to be the image, to be the reflection of how awesome their country was. And then you see a picture of this Japanese snowboarder walking around, you know, just as, I mean, I, I don't want to label a snowboarder, but walking around like a snowboarder does, you know, like, hanging down, his shirt's out, ties down, like, you know, just nonchalant. They, like, they, they looked at him, they said, hey, man, like, you're representing your country. Why are you dressed like that? And he was like, well, it's just another snowboarding event. And they were like, what are you talking about? This is the Olympic son, right? This is, this is you representing your country. You are the reflection. And when they look at you, they think that Japan is like that? No way. You get together, man, right? You're supposed to reflect us. And in the same way, when we ask the question, what is the purpose of family? And we look at your family. We look at our families. And we, act, we, and we can use this as a litmus. We can use this as a way of really just gauging it. Do we actually reflect God? Could it be that a lot of the brokenness that we experience in our families comes down from the first problem that we're not actually reflecting God? Right? We're not reflecting God's character, his love, his mercy, his sense of justice. That everything we're doing, we're hiding, we're being hypocrites. We, we put out a front so that the world can see that we're all okay, but inside and in the home and in the household, there is destruction, there is chaos, there is brokenness. Could it be that a lot of times the reason why there is such a breakdown in the family unit is that instead of actually restoring the image of God, we are actually living in the broken image of that? What is the purpose of the family, guys? Why did God make it? It's to reflect the image of God. Secondly, right, verse 28, chapter, two, verse, or chapter 1, verse 28, it says this. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful 
and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every living creature that moves on the ground. He says this. He says that the purpose of family is to create legacy. Be fruitful and multiply. Be a legacy that is engaging this world. Be a legacy that wherever your generation that comes after you, wherever they step, the world around them is blessed. The world around them is flourishing. The world around them is seeing God's image. The world around them is seeing the picture of our God. See, the purpose of family is to create legacy. Some of you guys, I know, some of you guys, you're thinking, I'm never going to have children, right? I am never going to have children. I cannot, I, I don't mind, I don't mind playing with children, other people's children, but I myself will not want a child, okay? And, 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 and I really, I was, I was really, like, confused about this for a while, right? I was really like, I was like, why not, right? Like, I mean, I'm, I thought I was the one that didn't want children. I'm like, like, like y'all didn't want it? You know, I told you my biggest fear, right? No, actually, I'll tell you later, right? Uh, and was, and, and my, my, my commentary, my social commentary about this that, that I've, I've, I've kind of grown to understand is, is that we live in a culture, and this is, this is the byproduct of our culture, honestly, that we live in a culture that is so desirous of affirmation, a, a, a culture that desires so much of a transactional relationship. A culture that tells me I'm only in it if I can get something from you. I, we, we see that in social media. We post and we check how many likes, how many hearts, how many thumbs up we get. We post because we are so, we want so much to be affirmed, so much to be lifted up, so much to be liked, wanted, and known. And so any relationship we get into, it is that relationship of like, will you affirm, lift me up or not? If you won't, guess what? I'm done with you. But you know the one relationship that you cannot do that with? It's a baby. You cannot have a transactional relationship with a baby. It's a non-transaction. You can't just like, whoops. All right, let me put it down. I'm done. Right, I'm walk away. You can't. It, well, some people do that, but it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not something that's like, it, that happens when you have a baby this baby is non-transactional. They will not love you or give to you anything that you can possibly want. There is no affirmation here. This is all you giving. And that's such a hard thing for people in this culture. And so instead of wanting babies, we want puppies. Right? Instead of wanting babies, we, we, and then the worst thing is you call your, ba- your puppies your babies, and then you confuse a puppy with an actual baby, and you're like, oh, that's my, that's my child. I'm like, um... I don't know. I don't. I get really confused about that. But like, it's 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 it's. You, 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 I'm not not dogging all dog lovers. Yeah, I mean, if you love dogs, woo, yeah, yeah, for you, right? But but you, you understand that. You understand that the reason why you love dogs so much is because the dog is constantly giving you love. That's it. They're just constantly for you. A non a baby is sometimes you have to be the one giving everything for it, and it becomes so difficult. And so we say we don't want children. Some of us, we don't even have children. Some of us who are married don't have children because why? I mean, that's not, that's not an issue. The issue is it's not about having babies. It's about creating a spiritual legacy. God says that I desire that for all men from all time through all generations to call upon the one name that gives life. I want that from all history, all time, all place, all people to call upon the name that can actually flourish them and not break them. And that can only happen 
in the spiritual legacy. You know, and I've shared with you guys, uh, you guys have been around for a long time. I've shared with you guys my biggest fear of having kids, right? Like, you know, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to joke about this, but it's, it's legit. Like, our church has this issue of making babies together, right? Like, when you have one, everyone else has one. When you have two, two, and now it's, it's, it's three, right? I'm like, I'm like, please stop, right? Please stop. Like, I can't, I can't, not because I, not because I don't want to, like, I can't actually take care of a baby. I can take care of a baby, right? It's not because I don't want to take care of it. That's, that's easy. The one thing that freaks me out the most about every child that I have is if this child is going to really know and love God. And I know that sounds very cheesy. It's like very preachy. Like, it's such a preachy thing to do. But it is the one thing. I fear heights a lot, okay? I would, I would climb a mountain, right, if I know with 100% certainty that God's going to save my child, right? And I, sometimes I look at Seth, I'm like, I don't know, God, right? Like, I'm asking him to pray, and he's like, eh, right? Like, I was like, what is wrong with you, child, right? Uh, and, 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 it's, and every child that comes out, it's another probability. I was like, oh, I don't know. Like it's 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 one every it's one out of eight, right? It's, it's like every child you, you you multiply by one half, right? The probability of it happening, and so it it freaks me out. It scares me, right? Because the one thing that I guess my heart really hope I'm not, I'm not and I'm not talking about just like like no Jesus. I'm not talking about like really loving God and surrendering their life to God, right? And and that's the only thing that I can pray and hope and beg the Lord for. Each night, because the heart that God wants for a family is a spiritual legacy. Whether it's by children, adopted children, children within the church, disciples, that you are creating a legacy. A legacy that calls upon his name. Could it be that a lot of the brokenness that we have in our, in our, in our household is because our families, our parents kind of just gave up on that legacy picture and, they, and, and they, they, they gave us a different vision to live for, a vision of, of finances, a vision of, of money, a vision of, of power, a vision of status. And so we end up living for that legacy instead of actually for the one legacy that means everything, the godly legacy. And so the question is, is it possible that the brokenness that we constantly face every single day is because we are not going back to the very purpose for why God created family. Is it possible that the, the, the brokenness that we see in certain areas of our family's life is because we're not dealing with the areas that God said, this is the purpose. Are you living in that purpose? If you're not doing it, then you're, you're, you're walking away from what I call a real family that can actually flourish and grow. I'm not saying this for all families. I'm sure a lot of families are like just, woohoo, you're like, good for you, right? And I want to marry my son into your family, right? But, you know, like one day, you know, we'll see. But if, if your family is like that, praise the Lord. But I'm pretty sure a lot of our families are not like that. And it's, it's so important for us to be able to see it. Are we actually creating legacy? Are we actually reflecting the image of God? And thirdly, here's the last one. Go to chapter 2, verse 23 to 24. 23 to 24. The man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, 
for she was taken out of man. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The word one here, I know it sounds like they're just being married to each other. No. The word one here is a very theologically heavy one. The word one here is the equivalent of the picture of how our God is one being but three persons and yet still one God. It is this, this, this cosmic mystery of how three can become one. And in the picture of marriage, God is saying, in this family unit is how you will know me. It's how you will know me and be known by me. That if you actually take the connection of man and woman together in the intimacy of marriage and, and in, the, in the intimacy of the marriage bed, and not just to abuse it and to destroy it, but when this is done with the right purpose in mind, you will see what no man has ever seen. It's the picture of who I am. The picture of action. And in this picture of creating a child, you will see and know me. Like you've never known me before. And, 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 and I don't want to like, you know, um, beat the drum, but you know, a lot of parents who end up having, parent, having kids, they begin to realize, oh my goodness, this is how God sees me. In a more cosmic way. In a more infinite way. The way I see this child is probably how God sees me every day. Like, you know, like, and, and I tell you the truth, man, like, even when your kid does something dumb, like, you don't actually hate them. The way that you think God hates you. You know that? Like the way you think that God hates you when you see your kids do something really foolish, you don't, you don't see that. You actually kind of almost laugh about it, right? Like, like yesterday, like Enoch, he ripped his brother's book. And I just, I, I kind of like, like, hey. And then he got this like broken like face. Like, and he starts crying. for the. I've never seen this happen before, right? And you think like, I'm, he's probably thinking I hate him. I want to destroy him, but I'm just, I'm laughing with my wife. We're recording. I'm like, do that again, honey, right? Make him cry again. I'm like, okay, right? So it's, it's one of those weird things that we do. But it's, it's funny to us, you know? But see, the way you see a child is probably the way God sees you, but you don't know that. You rarely ever know that because the way sometimes a lot of us, we think of God seeing, we think he hates us. We think he's annoyed of us. We think he's done with us. But no. See, when, when the picture of a family comes together, God says, this is how you know me. This is how you will be known by me. And it's crazy that he would choose that. And, and so can you, can you understand that when we, when we begin to sleep around with anything that breathes, just to satiate our, our appetite, to, 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 try to, bec- to try to engage in this oneness, every time it's like you're not... You're not connecting with me. I mean, you're feeling great. You're loving it. It's, 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 it's driving you forward, but you're not really connecting. You have a touch. You have a taste. But you are physically trying to do what your spirit has. has which you're trying to physically force something that can only be done in the spiritual beauty of family. It is to know me and to be known by me. Right? So what is the purpose of the family. What was, what was God's desire from it from the beginning? That if we were to step into it, if we would have the courage to actually dare to be a part of it, we will see the flourishing of not just our lives, the lives of the people around us, our society, our country, our world. We will see it if we would actually live out the family instead of actually looking at our family and saying, 
that, the F, right? So let me ask you this, this question, okay, as we come on to the next part. That's the purpose. And we probably are understanding, you know what, I'm looking, could it be that the, the brokenness I see in my family is because we've actually walked away from this purpose. The, 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 the abuse, the anger, the laziness, the, the high expectations, the, the hurt, the, the, the pain that I see in my family. Could it be it's because we've walked away from these purposes? And do you know what happens when you begin to walk away from this purpose? It's not just like, oh, we did something bad. It develops, it begins the cycle of brokenness that does not end. When you begin to walk away from the very purpose of the family that, you were, that, that, that God created, you begin to engage in a cycle of brokenness that does not end. Adam, the first family, did this. Adam and Eve, they did this. They began to, 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 to break away from this purpose, to think that they can know God better. That they, that they have control, they broke from this cycle, they broke from this purpose, and they began a cycle of brokenness for all men. God told them, Adam, don't. Tell your wife, don't. This is the only law, this is the only thing I forbid you. Do not eat from this. Love me, trust me, trust me. Call upon my name, trust me. Don't take it. Don't take this fruit. It's a fruit, by the way, I'm really tired of people calling it an apple, okay? There's no apple in the Bible, okay? It's a fruit. I don't know what fruit it is, but it's a fruit, okay? Do not eat this fruit. And Adam took it. She ate it. Eve ate it, gave it to Adam. He ate it. And what happened? He brought death. He brought the curse of death to all mankind. The cosmic brokenness. And you know what happens after that? Do you think that cycle ends? No. Because right after him, Adam and Eve had two, ch two children, Cain and Abel. And that cycle of death, it didn't pass through them. It didn't pass out of them. It passed into them. Specifically into who? Into Cain. His son, Adam's son, who committed the first murder upon his brother, Abel. And so you're thinking like, you know what, Cain was... Cain, you know, in his own mind, maybe logistically justifying, you know what? I killed one man. My father, he killed all humanity, right? I'm not, as, I'm not like my father. Yeah, but you still brought death, bro, right? And you think that it ended with Cain? You think that now in Cain's line, that somehow that, that, that cycle is broken after he repented and God says, okay, I'm going to cover you. Don't worry. You won't be killed. You won't be killed for your crime. You won't be punished for your crime. I will cover you. You think Cain's line ends that way? The seed of death begins to build into the cycle that continues over and over and over. And into the great-great-great-great-great-grandson the of, of, of uh, Cain named Lamech. See, Cain's line, they had a lot of cool things. Cain's line had, had, had sons who were the first herders. He had sons that were musicians. He had sons who were the first metal, um, uh, metal workers. He had great people. And the Bible took very careful details of explaining who these sons were because this line was moving away from what God's purpose was, and they were beginning to puff themselves up. They were, de they were defined by their ability to do what they did. Right? And then comes Lamech. So let's open our Bibles. Um, verse seven, uh, chapter 4, verse 17. I, I wrote 23, guys. So go 17. Right? Chapter 4, verse 17. This is, this is the story of, of Cain's line. Right here. 
So Cain, he lays with his wife, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch, okay? This is not my Enoch, okay? I'll tell you my Enoch later, okay? This is not Enoch, okay? Cain was, I didn't build him off this one. This will, that would be bad. Cain was then building a city, and he named it after his son Enoch. To, to, uh, and let, me, let, me, let me just stop right here. Enoch, it means teaching, okay? You know, Cain probably understood what he did wrong. And so he wanted to make sure his son learned it and taught it. So he named him Enoch to continue it. But you know what happened, right? 18, to Enoch was born Irad, and Irad was the father of Mahushael, and Mahushael was the father of Mahushael, and Mahushael was the father of Lamech, right? Check out Lamech. Lamech married two women, one named Ada and Zillah. Adam, Ada gave birth to Jabal. He was the father of those who live in tents and raise livestock. His brother was Jabal. He was the father of all who played the harp and flute. Zillah also had a son, Tubal Cain, who forged all kinds of tools out of bronze and iron. Tubal Cain's sister was Naaman. And in verse 23, Lamech said to his wife, Ada and Zillah, listen to me. Wives of Lamech, hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. Do you, do you know what Lamech is saying? I will never be like my father Cain. My father Cain killed his own blood, his own brother. I will never do that. I merely killed a man that wounded me. He was a stranger. But he wounded me. I, I, I'm justified to do what I did. So I killed him. So if Cain, my great, 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 great grandfather, was pardoned for that, for the, for, the, for the blood of his brother, I should be pardoned even more. Because I didn't do what's as bad as he did. I, I wasn't as bad as, the, uh, as my, as my uh, ancestor Cain. He justified it. And so do you know what this picture is? This picture is a story of us. It is the story of a broken cycle that every generation, all we do is we justify and we say we will never be like them. But we end up doing the exact same thing, just wrapped up in the bowl. Wrapped up and say, it's not like them. Yeah, I killed, but I killed for a reason. I killed because I was wounded. But you still killed, right? Let me give you an example. We are brought into a cycle of our families of defeatism, of abuse, anger, divorce, pessimism, greed, selfishness, addiction, negativity, laziness. This cycle is in our lives. And we're thinking, I will never be like my father. I mean, last week I went, I went witnessing and I, I, met this, I met this guy and I was talking to him. And he said, like, he was sharing me about his life story, about how his father left the family. Left them, never saw their children. He said, I will never be like my father. I will always be there for my children. I will never leave them like that. And I said, okay, well, so your family's pretty good? He's like, you're married? He's like, no, I'm divorced. I'm like, so wait, but I'm there for my children. I see them all the time. I'm like, every day? No, like Monday and and Wednesday and Saturday. I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. Like all day, like about 12 hours. And then, you know, I'm like, oh, okay. Um, But what about the other days? He said, no, they have with their moms. And he's like, can you imagine I have to watch them every single day? I have a life. I'm like, uh, you, you're a parent, bro. That's the definition of being a parent, you know? I didn't say that out loud because I was trying to save his souls. So I was like, oh, that's, that was kind of weird, right? But that's the thing. In his mind, he's saying what? I will never be like my father. I'll never leave my children. I'm there for them. And yet, the cycle of brokenness did not pass through him, over him. It passed into him. 
He still left his kids. You can justify it and wrap it in a bowl and say, I, I was, I'm there. When I'm there, I'm there. They know it. Or, or about this. I will never be as demanding as my mother was to me. See, my mother, she's a crazy woman. Some of you guys may think that. My mother's a crazy woman. She has so much high expectation. She demands this, this, and this. And when I don't live up to it, she makes me feel small and little and below. I will never do that to my children. I will never make them feel that way. And what we see is we see young ladies become mothers who mother their children and yet belittle their fathers. Yeah, but, I'm, I'm, I, but I love my children. But you treat their father in front of them as if he is useless and worthless. As if he has no purpose or as if he is a nobody. You belittle him. You're just like your mother. The brokenness didn't come out of you. You can justify all you want. You can say you're not like them, but you are just like them. Or you can say this, I will never abuse my mom like the way my father abused my mother. I will, I will never abuse my wife the way my father abused my mother. I will never get that angry and raise a hand to anyone. And yet you live your whole life constantly in anger. Constantly a ticking time bomb waiting to blow up. Constantly everyone's watching their steps around you because they know that if they say something wrong or they say it in the wrong way, you will go off. You may not raise a hand, but you will destroy them with your words. You may not be like your father, but can I tell you something? You are just like your father. Because the broken cycle does not stop. It continues. And again, you can justify it all you want and wrap it up in a nice little bow and say, you know, I'm not like them, but you are just like them. Or you say something like this. I will never cheat on my wife the way my father cheated on his wife. I'm going to be true to her. I'm never going to treat her like that at all. And then you live your life as if she's always second for you. But I'm with her. I haven't left her. I'm not cheating on her. But she's not important to you. You're distant from her. She's like your roommate, not your wife. Or you say something like, my father was always so distant from us. He's never around. He's, he puts so much, so much emphasis on his work. He does all these things. So I'll never be like my dad. I will never be so busy that I will never be around for my family. And yet somehow we find ourselves so unable to have relationships, unable to connect with people, unable to... to um, open ourselves up to trust. You think you're not like them? You're just like them. All right? And let me, let me tell you this, this just quick story. Like this past, uh, last Sunday, last Sunday, one of my SALT guys, they gave me a very, very stinging critique of my leadership. It was stinging, but it didn't, it didn't get me mad because it was truth, okay? And they said this, you know, at, at best, Tony, right, as, at, at the best of your leadership, you are inspiring and encouraging. In the worst, you are domineering. And I was like, what do you mean? What, define domineering. It's my way or the highway. And I was like, yeah, you're right. right? I'll, I'll give you that. Right? And that, that, sound, that, sound, that sounds about right. You know? but, then I was, uh, but then I, I was thinking about it. I was, like, I was trying to reflect, is that true? I was like, it, it is true, but why? I was thinking, why? Right? I was like, why am I like that? You know? 
it's for Jesus. I keep saying, it's for Jesus. Like, I want them to be more like Jesus. And so, you know, this is the way. Just listen to me, and it will work. But then I say, but why do I feel that way? And it, it didn't dawn on me till Wednesday when I took my grandma to the doctors, right? I took my grandma to the doctors, and, I, and the whole car ride, we got in a huge fight. She was saying, how come you don't speak Vietnamese to your son, Seth? I was like, you stay with him. You speak Vietnamese to him, right? And she said, like, you know, listen to me. Speak Vietnamese to him. He's all he speaks is English, and all you guys are here. You guys are all in English, blah, blah, blah. I said, we speak Vietnamese here and there in the house, you know? And she was like, she was going all at it. I was like, I was like and, and I was like, I was upset. But she said, look, do this, right? Just do it. Just do it. Don't question it. Just do it. And I was, at first I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. But then the funny thing was, when I got into the house, I started speaking Vietnamese. I was like, why am I doing this, right? Like, I was like, I was trying to, like, I'm not going to, I'm speaking English. But then I was like, I was going into Vietnamese. I was like, why? I said, and I remember, I was like, I will never be like her. I will never be this dominant. I will never be like her. And I justify myself as leader. It's like, hey, but I'm doing it for Jesus, right? Like, she's just doing it because she's just picky, right? I'm doing it because I want them to know Jesus. But guess what? It's still domineering. It doesn't get out. You guys follow? The cycle of brokenness does not get free. And you know why? It's because oftentimes, actually all the time, we've lost the purpose of family. We've forgotten it. We don't live into it. We've forgotten the purpose of living in the image of our God. We forgot the purpose of creating a legacy under his name. We forgot the, the purpose of knowing him and being known by him. And so because we try to, we, 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 we see this dysfunction in our family and, and our, our, immediate, our immediate action is this. I'm just going to fix this problem. I'm not going to be like him. But you didn't fix the problem. You fixed the symptom. And the symptom is still the problem. The actual problem is still living in you. The symptom may be different now, but the problem is still there. So when you, when you get sick and you're coughing, you can fix a cough, but you can still be sick. Y'all follow me? Right? You can fix a cough. You can get yourself to stop coughing. But inside, if you haven't got the medicine to deal with the actual sickness, you're going to get sick again. And you may not be coughing next time. You could be sneezing or you can have a fever. But you just keep dealing with the symptoms. You're never actually dealing with the problem. And the problem is we forgot the purpose of family. And so we go into the cycle of brokenness over and over and over. Think about a lot of your weird traits and tendencies that you have. Is it not from your family? Right? I mean, hopefully the good things are there, but also the bad things you know is there. Right? The things that, that, that actually destroys a family, that diminishes a family, that breaks families apart, that, breaks, that, 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 that divides children from their parents, that, 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 that creates spaces. It's there. Let me share with you a quick story. There was a, there was a study done in 1874 by the New York State Prison Board. Right? They noticed that in this prison, six of the same family members were incarcerated. Right? The New, so the New York board of, uh, Prison Board, they said, like, well, let's, let's take a look into this family. Why is it that six of the same family members are incarcerated at the same time? Like, why? Why is, it, why is, this, why is this legacy like this? Why is this cycle like this? And so they did a research, and they did this long ancestral, like, look, and they went all the way back to about 150 years, and they traced it back to these, this, this, um, this man and this woman who... Uh, was considered, this guy was considered a lazy and godless, uh, he has a lazy and godless reputation in his town, known as a drunk, and he married a woman with just as bad of a, of a background, right? 
just as bad of a, of a broken legacy. And they had, together had six daughters and two sons. And over 150 years, they have about 1,200 descendants. And this is, the, this is what the report revealed about their descendants. 310 of them were homeless. 160 of them became prostitutes. 180 of them suffered from drug or alcohol abuse. 150 of them were criminals who spent time in prison, including seven for murder. And they they found out the New York State, they did math, the state of New York spent about $1.5 million to care for this line of 1,200 people. And not a single one of them had a significant contribution to society. Brokenness does not end. You can fix one symptom, but another will come up. You can say, I will never be like my father. I will never be like my mother. But then you develop and you create other symptoms as just like that. And over time, you are just repeating that cycle over and over and over. Because you have forgotten the purpose of family. To be, image, to be the image bearers of God. To be the legacy creators for God. To be the ones who know and are known by God. But then let's look. How do we break this cycle? The first family, right? I'm talking about this is, this is a story about the first family here, okay? We got brokenness. We got abuse. We got all these things. But we got the first family. Was the cycle broken? And the answer was sort of, right? Genesis chapter 2. Look at verse 25, okay? Genesis chapter 2 verse 25. And Adam lay with his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth. Okay, this is my Seth right here. Saying, God has granted me another child in place of Abel since Cain killed Abel. Seth also had a son, and his name, and he named him Enosh. At that time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. Right? Seth. The reason I named my son with this is, is it was, it was, um, it was, I got it from this passage, but it was, it was this picture for us because, my wife and I, we are the first Christians or we were first believers in the home where, where when we got together, our, our, when we did our marriage counseling, actually with my youth pastor, we went through the exact same thing. And, and our hope and our dream was that we would be a, a family that is bearing the image of God, that we are creating a legacy, that we are knowing God and being known by God. Right, that we would be a kingdom-building family. And that was, the, that was the picture of it. And so I named my son Seth, hopefully, prayerfully, he will grow up to be a person that continues the line. Because from Seth, the line said what? In those days, men began to call on the name of the Lord. See, unlike the line of Cain, unlike the line of Cain, they were valuing, they were giving their identity in their abilities and in their skill sets as, as flute players, as metal workers, as herders. But in the line of Seth, they did not call or claim anything of worth and value. They said, we will trust only in our God. We will trust only in our, we will call upon the name of the Lord. And that, that phrasing is saying that I will not put my identity, my worth, my trust in anything else. That my purpose for my existence will go back to the reason for why God made us. And in that line, that line was the beginning. Out of a broken line that was going this way, that line stopped it and it begins a whole new line. One straight line. It was kind of like raggedy along the way, but one line towards the one who's going to restore everything. Right? Guess who it is? Guess who it is? Jesus, right? It was one line from Seth all the way into Jesus. 
that Jesus came from the line of Seth, the line of men who called upon the name of the Lord. And when Jesus came, he called upon the name of the Lord. And when he called upon the name of the Lord, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You, you, you hear that? See, he was not, Jesus was not just trying to perpetuate his own line. He was saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They know not that the fact that they're walking away from the image bearing that you have given to them will mean destruction for their family. They know not that if, when they no longer desire to seek for legacy, they will find their life going down this tunnel, this, 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 this funnel of destruction. They know not that when they decide no longer to know you, that they will never be full. And they will always be chasing. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive them. And he calls all who would call upon his name. All who would call upon the name of Jesus Christ. Do you know what happens? He restores it all. Those who would call upon the name of Jesus now for the first time has an image of God. That we are now the image bearers of God because when God looks at us, he does not see you broken in the cycle of brokenness. He does not see you carrying on the cycle that Adam passed down from generation to generation to you. The cycle of divorce, defeatism, laziness, uh, brokenness, abuse, addiction. He does not see that. But what he sees when a man and a woman calls upon the name of the Lord, he sees the image of his son in you. And he looks at you and he's not angry with you. He's not upset with you. He looks at you and he smiles and he says, this is my child. And I will see them grow into my family. In Jesus Christ, we become the legacy under him. That your life begins to have a legacy. A legacy that carries on his name. The Bible says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That from one generation to the next generation, we have the duty and the job to carry on that name. To pass that name. And the name is passed on. That in Jesus Christ, we understand the fullness of God's love and desire for us. We know him. That in Jesus Christ, we actually know God. That God is not this distant person who is far away from us, pointing his fingers, judging us for things that we've done or haven't done. That God is not just some distant father who is no longer around. That God is not some abusive, wrathful father that only punishes us when we do something wrong. That in Jesus Christ we understand and we know who God is. That he is a God that says, you are my kids, you are mine, you were caught in a cycle of brokenness. Let me bring you back home. Through my son. Through my son. Let me restore what is broken. Do you guys know, do you guys realize that? Do you guys realize that, that it is fixable? If you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, there's no way that I can fix this family. There's no way that this family can ever be changed. There's no way that anything can ever happen. Can I tell you something in Jesus Christ? It will happen. That you are the focal point. You are the beginning of a new journey. You are the beginning of a step when you call upon the name of the Lord. That you don't have to play victim anymore. So, so often, I'm telling you guys, so often I hear this, that I hear brothers and sisters playing victim, blaming their parents for everything that's gone wrong in their life. Blaming their parents for their, for their lack of finances, for the lack of just uh, upbringing, for the lack of character. They blame their parents and yet they do not do anything to fix it. 
They don't seek for anything. They just wallow in their victimhood. And yet, God comes in and he says, would you call upon my name? Let me bring you out. Let me change the trajectory of your life from now until forever. Let me change that. I can change your family if you would go back to why it was made. Go back to its purpose. Let me share with you another story. Around the same time, they made, they made the exact uh, same study, right, of a man who lived around the same time. His name was Jonathan Edwards. He was a famous preacher who was born in 1703. He was a religious man. He was a God-fearing man. He was a minister and dedicated family man. He married a woman who shared the same values, who loved the Lord just as deeply and just as much. Together they had 11 children. Together within 150 years they had about 1,400 descendants. In 1874 when they looked at the descendants of Jonathan Edwards and his wife Sarah, this is what they saw. They saw that in this line there were 13 of these descendants were college presidents, 65 were college professors, 100 were attorneys, 32 were state judges, 85 were authors of classic books, 66 were physicians, 80 held political offices, including three state governors, three were state senators, one became vice president of the United States. I am not telling you that if you follow Jesus in your line that someone's going to become a president in your house. Okay, I'm not saying that whatsoever. But what I'm sharing with you is this, that when you begin a line of a legacy that calls upon God's name, you will see God's flourishing. You guys get me? You will see the very impact that God would, he made this family to flourish the world around them, to bless it. And the people and the descendants of this man blessed the world around them, became game changers for those around them. They weren't a pariah on society. They weren't just milking the world around them. They became channels of blessing. Because why? Because that's why he made it. He made the family to flourish, not to be broken. What a difference it makes. What a difference it makes when we understand. And I know a lot of you guys, man, and if I can call up the, the praise you, I know a lot of you guys, you're, um, you're in this cycle. And, 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 you, and you, you bought into this idea that, you know what, I'm just going to run from my family, Right? I'm just going to run because, you know what, I know, I know people who left their family from the West Coast all the way and travel all the way to the East Coast, right, just so they can get away from their family. I don't want anything to do with my family. You know what, they're lost cause. I'm going to start my own life. But you are not starting. You're just moving. You're just moving the cycle from West Coast to East Coast, right? You're just making the East Coast worse by going there, right? You're not, you haven't done anything great because the only thing that begins to stop the cycle of brokenness it's for you to know your God. It's for you to actually go and know the one who has made family. It's for you to actually sit down now, seriously, and start reflecting upon your family. Reflecting on the family that you want to create. Reflecting on the family that you are a part of and ask the question, are we? Are we truly image bearers of God? Or are we just putting up a front, but inside we're just totally screwed? Just liars. Are we? Are we truly creating a legacy that is kingdom building? Or are we just talking about all that stuff? But really all we want is to build our own little home and tent and live our own little safety nets. Are we? Are we people who actually know their God? I'm not talking about like, yeah, I know, I know of Jesus. I'm talking about know your God. To know him and to be known by him. To have his touch upon your life. 
to have his hand upon your heart. What will you do? So I'm asking you guys today, be the family that changes the trajectory. Be the one that stops the cycle of brokenness and pain. Be the one that starts anew. Be the one that actually brings redemption and builds back what is broken. Can I tell you something? God can do it in you. God will do it in you.